Greetings, I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. Welcome. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now if we choose to. Here we are on the verge of the anniversary of that terrible terrorist attack which occurred on September 11th, 2001. And there are a great many things that I would like to comment on, but which I am not going to, because instead I feel the need to focus on this and some things that pertain to it. So... The other matters will have to wait a day or two, but here on this day prior to that anniversary, I am going to principally focus on things that intersect and pertain to that terrible event of low these 17 years ago. And in that vein, perhaps you saw mention of a terrorist attack, if you will, a one-man attack at a major railway station in the Netherlands. And two American... Tourists were knifed, stabbed by this young man from Afghanistan, a 19-year-old who is a resident of Germany and who took it upon himself to launch a terror attack. According to the authorities there in Amsterdam, His intentions were to slaughter these Americans. Well, this young man were not allowed to know his name because they have rules over there in the terribly civilized Netherlands, which prevent us learning that, but the name given is Jawed S or Yawed S, if you prefer. Now, this is just one isolated incident, isn't it? Or is it? Germany, of course, welcomes Muslims, Islamists, with open arms, pays them, gives them free university education, all the perks, all the bennies. But imagine this attack multiplied a million times. It can carry significant weight. Unfortunately for this would-be destroyer, His targeted victims have survived thus far. Not what he intended. Viciously, murderously, terroristically attacked these two Americans and the authorities in the Netherlands stated that he had an Islamist terrorist motive, but they didn't use the word Islamist terrorist motive. And we know that when there are terrorist attacks, it is extremely important 
never to use terms such as Islamist or Muslim or anything like that. Very important not to, uh, not to identify the destroyers as what they are. Perhaps you saw coverage concerning something else. And this pertains to our current president's administration. Now, while I have many, many, many significant complaints with this president, I have had less with his administration, even though it's been a bit of a revolving door administration. One of his finer selections, as far as I'm concerned, is his now national security advisor, John Bolton. And John Bolton delivered a speech in which he he stated, pardon me, the following quote, The United States will use any means necessary to protect our citizens and those of our allies from unjust prosecution by this illegitimate court, end quote. Now, that illegitimate court that he's referring to is the so-called International Criminal Court, you know, over there in Europe, adjacent to the Netherlands, headquartered in the Hague, or the Hague, if you prefer, or the such, this international criminal court, which is pursuing an investigation of American troops in Afghanistan for wrongdoing. Well, this terrible John Bolton, and that's how he is portrayed in the press. It's Every single time I see mention of John Bolton, and this goes back back years, but every single time he is described, he is made out to be something really loathsome and terrible, when in fact he is outstanding. But he said the following, quote, We will ban its, that is the ICC, the International Criminal Courts, We will ban its judges and prosecutors from entering the United States. We will sanction their funds in the United States financial system, and we will prosecute them in the U.S. criminal system. We will do the same for any company or state that assists in an ICC investigation of Americans, end quote. My word, how, how terrible, how inflammatory, how warmongering of John Bolton. Well, he said something else, too. And he stated that the United States of America would shut down the Washington, D.C. office of the Palestinian Liberation Organization. And when I saw it referred to, it was giving it the name the Palestine uh, 
Liberation Organization. But this is the PLO, the Palestinian Liberation Organization, Islamist terrorist organization of Yasser Arafat, the late evil Yasser Arafat, if he's dead. And he was supposed to have died some time ago. But I just, (laughs) I continue to have my suspicions. But in any case, vicious, ruthless, murderous, terrorist organization that engaged in a reign of terror in Lebanon, specifically expressly targeting the Christian population, but also terrorizing, destroying all Muslims who did not back them and support them. And as I have commented previously with regard to dear old Yasser Arafat, there has never been a more evil, more satanic, more sadistic destroyer on the face of the earth than Yasser Arafat. Have there been more prolific ones? Yes. Hitler, Stalin, Pol Pot, uh, to name a few. And of course, Mao Zedong, Mao Zedong, and of course, the Kim family. But... (laughs) While there have been more prolific ones, including the greatest, most prolific, monstrous mass murderer of all time, Margaret Sanger, while there have been more prolific ones, there has never been one more evil than dear old Nobel Peace Prize winning Yasser Arafat. But the fact that the PLO, which is an Islamist terrorist organization, has an office (laughs) in Washington, D.C., should be cause for concern and alarm (laughs) and offense. It should deeply offend all. But... Anyway, terrible, terrible John Bolton going after these peace-loving people. One other thing that John said was this, quote, The largely unspoken but always central aim of the ICC, of its most vigorous supporters, was to constrain the United States of America. And quote, but to constrain, to control, to limit, to hamstring the United States of America. That is the overarching goal of the International Criminal Court, according to John Bolton. And, of course, John Bolton's just a, you know, he's a wingnut, he's just a loose cannon, he's just terrible, this, that, and the other, when, in fact, he's a brilliant man, and he happens to be right. That is exactly the mission of the ICC. The ICC, which, in my view, reports to 
these movers and shakers behind the scenes. Yes, there are different terms that are used, and our current president has latched on to a few, such as the so-called deep state and so on and so forth. But while there are enemies, unquenchably hateful enemies, of the United States of America and of all free nations, of all former Christendom. I say former Christendom because show me a single solitary nation within all of what used to be Christendom that is governed as if it were a Christian nation. Show me one. Certainly the United States of America doesn't qualify. So show me one. There must be one, (laughs) right? As I said, former Christendom. But here we are, knocking on the door of the 11th of September. What's so significant about September 11th? Well, I can think of a few things, but What I find fascinating is, do you remember back when the terrorist attacks of September 11th, 2001 took place, what was being said about the timing, about the date, about the significance of September 11th? Well, it was frequently referred to as pertaining to the Battle of Vienna. Vienna, Austria, which is honored every year with being voted the most hospitable city in the world for Americans, (laughs) for expatriates. You know, so if if Madonna or some others here happen to decide to leave the United States of America, even though it seems like New Zealand is high on their pecking order, Vienna, Austria always comes in number one. It has for year after year after year for so long as being the place to go. Uh, for me, it would be a nice place to visit, but... Um, Anyway, dear old Vienna, Vienna was at the heart, the very heart of Europe. Vienna was attacked, assaulted, besieged by the Muslim hordes when they controlled the Ottoman Empire and attempted to lay siege to and enslave all of Europe. And they would have extended that to the UK. But they failed. The reason they failed is they were caused to fail. Okay, They didn't just give up. They didn't just decide, nope, <laughs> I guess we can't do it. They were beaten. They were beaten back by valiant, courageous, self-sacrificing, honorable people. P. 
people of character, people of faith in God. People who were, in fact, very, very badly outnumbered numerically, very, very badly outnumbered militarily in terms of weaponry, technology, all of that. So, in 1529, there was this terrible siege of Vienna with the Muslim forces under Suleiman the Magnificent, who had destroyed so much of Europe on his way to Vienna and over a long period of time. And of course, in the Holy Land, which is not Holy Land for Muslims, contrary to what our wonderful media elites would have us believe. There's nothing holy about Islam. It is a false religion, it is an ideology, it is Islamofascism that worships Satan, who uses the pseudonym Allah. And his head mouthpiece, his false prophet-in-chief, Muhammad. But... (laughs) Islam has been dedicated to the annihilation of Jewry and Christianity since it was first created. It is the antithesis of all that is holy. It is the exact diametric opposite of all that is holy. Oh, but wait a minute. I know so-and-so-and-so-and-so-and-so-and-so, and they're all sweet, nice, friendly people, and they wouldn't hurt a... (laughs) fly, you know, okay, and they are just, they're such good Muslims. No, they're not. They're not good Muslims, no, because the truth is they are not obeying the spirit of the evil spirit of Islam. They're not, because Islam was created to destroy the works of God. And the plans and purposes of God. And that's not just something that deserves to be heard on some ghetto (laughs) Christian radio that, you know, some secularists would view as being a backwater in a ghetto. No. This is historical fact as is the Bible, as is the God of the Bible, as is the Christ of the Bible. But in these new and enlightened and improved and intellectual and progressive modern times, we know that Christianity deserves to be tucked away somewhere where it will have no impact on anything of importance on laws, on governance, on rulership, on life and death matters, absolutely no effect. And then finally, eventually, it will be utterly snuffed out. That's the agenda 
of the destroyers of those great societal planners who have so many allies here in the United States of America. They have extremely low friends in high places here in the U.S. and around the world throughout embedded. You always hear that term embedded. We've got our reporters embedded with the troops, right? Do you remember the ABC anchor who took the place, who I believe he was the immediate successor, and I could be wrong, it's been so long, but I believe he was the immediate successor to Peter Jennings after Peter Jennings passed away. But again, could be wrong, but Woodruff. And he was embedded with the troops over there in Iraq. And the vehicle in which he was riding, hidden IED, and he suffered traumatic brain injuries, but he survived. And he has recovered to a, an astonishing degree. And he does individual reports, last I had seen, akin to investigative reporting, but it was just, um, I don't know, uh, specific reports, but not working as an anchor. But Satan has embedded their operatives in every government of every so-called free nation, of every Western nation, of every former manifestation of Christendom or representation of Christendom, which is no more. And they are embedded specifically with the mission of bringing down all of these nations. But the linchpin is the United States of America. Without the United States of America, all the others fall overnight, except for Israel. That's right. UK, France, Germany, all of the others will tumble, fall overnight without the United States of America, but not Israel. That's a remarkable, rash statement. It happens to be the case, happens to be true. It's not to say that Israel will not fall, because Israel will fall, but it will be the last free nation to fall. And the overthrow of Israel will be what will usher in a very different world from what those vicious, ruthless, murderous, satanic murderers and destroyers intend. The exact opposite of what they intend. But so, too, what they accomplished back at Golgotha on Calvary turned out to be exact opposite of what they intended. But again, the timing of the terrorist attacks of September 11th, 2001, 
It was likened to not that first terrible siege of Vienna in 1529, which the Ottomans failed, the Muslims failed, they were beaten, they were defeated. Suleiman the Magnificent lost. But then, approximately 150 years later, in 1683, Vienna was besieged again and again after scorched earth offensive by the Muslims. Again by the Ottoman Empire and again with the premeditated intent of destroying, enslaving all of the free world meaning all of Europe. And again, they were defeated. So what was that date, that special date? It must have been September 11th, right? After all, September 11th, 2001 was supposedly in commemoration of that, but to do the exact opposite. Instead of being defeated by the forces of freedom, by the (laughs) courageous, valiant, honorable, noble, self-sacrificing men who were badly outnumbered instead of that it was to do what the Ottoman Empire had failed to do. But instead of the attacks coming in Vienna, which would have been monstrous and terrible and bloody and gory and all that, it wouldn't have had the significance of attacking the United States of America, right? It had to happen here. But curiously enough, it wasn't on the 12th. It was on the 11th. Why is that? And again, it was stated over and over and over and over and over again that this was, you know, payback. This was to get it right this time. This was, you know, the third time round, third time's the charm to destroy Christendom, to destroy the free world. By the sword of Islam. But they were a day off. So, (laughs) why is that, do you suppose? You know, it was very, very carefully planned and orchestrated and conspired over a long period of time and all kinds of dry runs and rehearsals before the big event. And it was coordinated, these coordinated attacks. So why was it the wrong day? Well, perhaps you would theorize that they were thinking, well, you know, the last time round, not in 1529, but in 1683, maybe 
if the attack had been made one day sooner, maybe they would have succeeded. But the cavalry, and I use that term, pun intended, the cavalry had arrived before the 12th, before the 11th, several days before. So yes, they could have struck. The evil ones, the Islamists, could have struck a day sooner, two days sooner, but they would not have been unopposed by those who had come to the relief of Vienna. So maybe that was it. Maybe they thought, well, we just need to, you know, make it a day earlier, and this time we'll win. Maybe. I personally have always believed there was another reason. And before I go further, let me just say, I am Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. And whatever is right and true and good about this program and accurate, whatever knowledge or godly wisdom there is in it is thanks to God Almighty and His Christ Jesus. Whatever is lacking, erring, That's due to me. But I have always believed and had conviction and been certain that that date was chosen for a different reason. And I'm not saying the matter of the general timing of it being about that time, you know, of it being a day away. I'm talking about the specific date being selected because they could have just as easily chosen the specific date of the 12th. They did not. Which brings me back to something that I've talked about before, and that is the September 11th attacks themselves. Now, you know, you've heard there were all manner of leftist communist professors and whatever who came out lambasting the George W. Bush administration saying they were behind it. And I know there are all kinds of different theories. But... While they got to say all of the things, the inflammatory things that they said concerning the president at that time, who had been in office a short time, for me to respond with the following This is really terrible. (laughs) It's one thing for them to say that. That's fine. They're professors. Right? They have tenure. So they can't be fired. Well, maybe they can't be fired, but that doesn't mean they can't be imprisoned. Not that they ever would. Never. Never. They never would. Instead, they would be promoted further. They would be feeded with honors, you know, given the Nobel prize, the Pulitzer, you know, for speaking the truth to power and all this nonsense, right? But if you go back before 2001, back 
1993 and the first go-round at the attack at the World Trade Centers, which occurred during the presidency of Bubba, Bill Clinton, William Jefferson Clinton, and his co-president, Hillary Rodham Clinton, and their Veep, Big Al Albert Arnold Gore Jr. It was a fascinating, fascinating undertaking with direct involvement by the FBI. And yes, there was a storyline, there was a narrative, and that the FBI did what they did just in order to catch the bad guys, right? And yet, with foreknowledge, with foreknowledge, that president and that co-president's administration participated, were accessories to a terrorist bombing of the World Trade Center. That's right. And people died. Now, it was a small number of people. It wasn't 3,000. It wasn't 2,000. It wasn't 1,000. It wasn't 100. But people died. There was explicit Involvement by the Clinton Executive Administration in the person of the FBI under the Justice Department, so on and so forth, directly involved in that, in that terrorist attack. Again, it was well intended. These were, you know, unintended consequences, right? Well, In 2001, September of 2001, Barbara Olson, the wife of George W. Bush's Solicitor General, Theodore Olson, or Ted Olson, his wife had her latest expose on how ruthless and unquenchably ambitious for power Hillary Rodham Clinton was. Barbara had this book at the publishers, at Regnery Publishing. And coincidentally, on that day, a plane on which Barbara Olson was commuting back to Los Angeles for her work as a newswoman with the major media, that plane was destroyed. And there are all kinds of theories about what took place, but that was one of the four airliners that was hijacked. That was the one that 
either was flown into the Pentagon or wasn't flown into the Pentagon or whatever. But Barbara Olson has never been heard from again. And William Jefferson Bill Bubba Clinton, who has always had such a soft spot in his heart for women and for girls, for adolescent girls, he and his brother and his best bud, his best friend back in Arkansas, always had such a soft place in their heart for young sexually inexperienced girls who were unfamiliar with cocaine and things like that. But anyway, I digress. He always had such a soft spot in his heart for women and always treated them so well, which is why Hillary Rodham Clinton kept such an active war room back in Little Rock all the time they were in the governor's mansion and was in charge of the war room at the White House for those eight years to deal with these women, to vilify them, to denigrate them, degrade them, attack them personally. Hillary was in charge of that. But Bill always did have this soft spot in his heart for women. So it just stood to reason that as soon as the dust had settled, as soon as the ashes had settled, as soon as the fires had been put out at the Pentagon, Bill was on the phone, working the phones. And whom was he calling? He was calling Alfred P. Regnery Publishing to insist that Barbara Olson's latest expose not be published, but be buried, be deep-sixed, and that this was necessary in order for the United States of America and its people to heal, to heal. And this coming from the world's biggest heel, Bill Clinton, And that term is just so understated. (laughs) But fascinating behavior by the former president. Fascinating, really, that he had that intimate knowledge that he and Hillary knew that Barbara had not only finished this latest in her series on Hillary, but that it was at the publisher and whom the publisher was and that they were on the verge of going to print. Fascinating that they had this intimate knowledge and that Bill undertook on behalf, not of Hillary, heavens no, but on behalf of the people of the United States of America, to prevent this book being published, to prevent freedom of the press, to quench it. Fascinating. Of course, he's never been criticized 
among the major media, you would have thought maybe the employer of Barbara Olson would have commented on it. But as far as I know, they never did. But in any case, Bill's appeal went unreceived. That's right. They heard it, but they were not moved sufficiently. And Bill can be very moving. Oh, my. Can be so moving. It never has ceased to amaze me. All of the women, the girls, the young women, the young mothers, the young professional women, the women, the middle-aged women, the older women that are mesmerized, that were mesmerized and to this day are mesmerized by dear Bill Clinton. And even when they will acknowledge that perhaps he was a bit of a cad from time to time, that still he's so wonderful, when in fact he's an absolute perverse destroyer. As I mentioned previously, I don't know how far back, I saw a likeness of Nero, Nero, not Caligula, but Nero Caesar. I saw a bust of Nero one time, one of the ones that was done, and I was shocked. What I thought, well, what I thought, I thought somebody was being funny. I thought, you know, we're all being spoofed. Somebody created this bust, which they're passing off as being Nero. And in fact, they did it with Bill Clinton as their model. But no, it was actually of Nero. And it looked dead on like Bill Clinton. Absolute spitting image of Bill Clinton. And Nero, of course, supposedly committed suicide uh, when he was... Uh, being uh, chased when he was finally at the the end of his uh, reign of terror, he supposedly committed suicide. But but back to Vienna, the final attack of Vienna was on the twelfth of September, not the eleventh. And the successful intervention by the relief forces against the Muslim Ottoman forces was on that day. And interestingly enough, at least I found it to be interesting, was what took place prior to that. But from that date, it is acknowledged that these forces ceased to menace the Christian world. Warfare continued on, but they ceased to be an effective, threatening force to Christendom. But what I, one thing I found to be very fascinating was this. You know, capturing, taking the city of Vienna, 
It had been an objective, a strategic objective of the Muslims forever in a day. And again, they almost succeeded in 1529. It was perilously close to success. And they were beaten back by peasants. (laughs) But, among others, peasants and German mercenaries who were horribly outnumbered. But... Here, in 1683, they make their final push to accomplish it again. What took place prior to that? Interesting the preparations that they made. And before that siege, there was a state of peace. Peace, equanimity, tranquility, peace and prosperity between the so-called Holy Roman Empire and the Ottoman Empire. For 20 years, two decades, a score of years, peace, peace with honor. Immediately prior to the final war to crush all of Europe, all of Christendom, and striking a dagger into the heart of Europe through Vienna. So, the evil empire, the dark forces, they made extensive, extensive preparations. They did their homework. They laid their groundwork. They repaired and established infrastructure, roads and bridges leading into the so-called Holy Roman Empire. Can you imagine that? They built roads. They restored roads and bridges for their invasion that would come. They focused on, they targeted the key centers that they would use, they would employ in their invasion. And they moved massive amounts of ammunition and weapons, including heavy cannons and all other manner of resources, into position. so that they could strike ever so much more swiftly and decisively. But something else helped them too, and that is that the plague was raging in Vienna. The plague raging in Vienna and other parts of Europe. But here, these dark forces who were intent on destroying Europe, enslaving Europe, with the jewel, the crown jewel being Vienna, 
They had lusted for this for more than a century and a half. They were patient. They patiently waited. They patiently bided their time and they prepared. They prepared their armies. They prepared their navies. They prepared the roads. They provided all of the military provision and all of the other provisions, put them in place to be used. And they did so during a 20-year truce. A period of peace of 20 years. But of course, I mean, there is no similarity between these Muslims and the communist Chinese. There's no similarity between these Muslims and the Russian totalitarian regime. There's no similarity. But here we are on the verge of the anniversary of that terrible terrorist attack of September 11th, 2001. That in my heart and mind and soul, I know that the dear Clinton Rodham team was had a hand in. Well, my gosh, that is such a terrible thing to say. What about the Alfred P. Murrah building? Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. We know, oh my word, there were these white supremacist military, you know, paramilitary militia that were responsible, solely responsible, independently responsible for just these two guys, right? No. There were a handful of Muslims that were seen there, Arabs that were seen there, that were dressed as workmen and that were spirited out of there to Washington, D.C., and then spirited back to Saudi Arabia by Bill Clinton and Hillary Rodham Clinton and their evil regime. And then they were actually brought back to the U.S. of A. and sheltered and shielded from prosecution, from interrogation and prosecution. But that's not all. There were all of the other things. And you may well have read about them, about (laughs) what took place and how warning was given for various people to stay away from that building that day and to leave if they were there because this was going to take place. Advanced knowledge from those who were federal government employees. But the United States of America, unlike these who saved Vienna, is not a land of faith anymore. Are there millions of devout Christians? Yes. But the government is the opposite of Christian, antithetical to Christian, 
opposed to, diametrically opposed to Christianity. And the military is, and so forth. And whereas these greats of the faith, if you will, they fell back on their faith in God, and they rescued these from sure destruction. They had faith like John the Third Sobieski, the king of Poland, who led this final charge. He said, I came, I saw, God conquered. I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now if we choose to. Thank you. Thank you.